one and all, welcome back to Two Guys One Dice Cup. This is season four, episode ten, entitled "Sucks to Be You." Uh, who it doesn't suck to be though is uh, my co-host Phil. I'm sure Phil is somewhere on the airwaves with me. I am. Uh, I am yeah. definitely here this time round. Awesome. So, uh, sucks to be you. If um, our regular listeners can't can infer or guess from that title, we are going to be talking about the Vampire Team, which came out for Bow. Which uh, I am. I excited. I think I'm a little bit excited about the about the vamps coming out at last. Um, I'm not sure that I'm excited. I'm glad they've uh, they've like made them themselves again. Yeah, uh, but we'll get we'll get on to that, I guess, when we're doing the um, the chat about them. I'll tell you one thing though: the the models look good. Yes, they, they capture everything that I, I I I was expecting from a new vamp team, which is good. I like them; they're nice. But moving on from that, we'll get straight into one of the very first sections that we do enjoy doing on Two Guys One Dice Cup, and that is entitled um, "What's on the Table." It is "What's on the Table," isn't it, Bill? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we've only I know we've only been four, doing this for uh, four years on. But, uh, four yeah. years. Do you remember? Do you remember back in season one when we did um, show notes? Oh my god. Like that lasted like maybe like half a year, half a year max. Yeah, before yeah. we just started uh, forgetting to bo- uh, bother to do that. I know. I mean, we're Christ, but at least we do our rosters and stuff like that. Uh, I know. I'm last minute, but that's enough paperwork. But so, Phil, um, since we since we spoke last on our podcast world, what have you been doing on the on your painting table and hobby table? Um. I'm trying to think. So last time, I think I mentioned that um, I was. Um, I've got some notes actually from last time. Okay, so I haven't done a massive amount of painting. I took a um, like a month off, effectively, commission painting just to uh, reset a little bit. Um, I finished my Lamassu. For my Chaos Dwarves, and I've finished the Chaos Dwarf Sorcerer now. That so they're they're both done. Um, I've also finished the General for my Chaos Dwarves as well. Um, he just needs a quick coat of uh, matte varnish, and then he's completely done. I've painted all the um, trophies for. Granite bowls, so the the kind of standard kind of gold ones. Uh, they've been printed out, primed, and painted on their plinth. Um, I think that's about it in terms of like sort of finished stuff. Um, I've started my current commission, so that's about probably about like fifty percent of the way through. I think. Um. I'm working on one of the um, RNS Studio uh, human teams, so they're kind of like a. I guess they've got a kind of knight kind of theme to them, as in like uh, medieval knights, not uh, like the deepest darkest. Um, and and 
they're pretty cool actually. I quite like them. So, but I put most uh, most of the base coats down on them. Um, uh-huh. I just just need to do some highlighting, and uh, then it's on to washes. I like an oil wash and stuff, and basing. So they're 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 coming along quite nicely. Um, yep. Yeah, I think that I think that's about it though. I haven't. I've I've I'd purposely purposefully kind of taken the the foot off the gas, like I say, to avoid burnout. Um, and I've got a couple of commissions, like I've got two the the one I'm doing and another one done to be done before the end of the year. Then um, that, that's about it, really. Uh, uh, how about yourself? You've been painting much? It's been a little bit sporadic, sort of you know everything or nothing. Um. And it always seems to be that way with myself at the moment, the past few months, like the first couple of weeks of a, of a month or so just after we record a podcast, I tend to do very little. And that, that's, that's what's happened. Um, and I attended the Scottish Bolt Action Nationals, which we'll, we'll talk about our wargaming stuff after we talk about vampires. And when I came home from that, I... You know, I had I did a I had just finished the Polish army, or I'd finished a project recently, and so I had to, got to clear the the painting table, and then I had a few ideas of just sort of you know those those palette cleansing projects. Like I'm I'm painting a German tank and doing a, a painting tutorial for it. I'm I'm sure I mentioned that last time in our last episode, so I'm still sort of plugging away at little bits of that. But then I had this mad desire to go through my um, bolt action pile of, what do you call it? Pile of shame? Swag pile? Pile of potential. Um, pile of potential. That's a good way. The pile of potential. And so I started yeah. going through the, the, the pile of potential. And, you know, I found all these sort of half filled little baggies with models from my German army or German winter models. You know, stuff that I, you know, I'd bought a box and I only needed like seven out of the ten guys from it at the time. So I found all these random models. So I just started pulling them all out and I thought, ah, you know, stuff. I'll just put them on the painting table and, you know, I'll, I'll get them painted up and add them to the collection. And then so all of a sudden there's ten German models uh, and I've painted another sort of artillery piece for my American Confederate. Uh, alternate war army because I'm taking that to a tournament at the end of October um, so it's been little little bits and pieces uh, but the one thing I did do which isn't painting related but it is hobby related but I finally admitted that there's a few bolt action projects that I will never get to um, so I've bundled them up and sold them just to get them away from away from my table so that's a uh, you know, pile of potential is going to is going to somebody else, and they can enjoy it. So, um, that's I think that is actually the sum of my painting hobby at the moment. Uh, lots of potential, but not a huge amount of delivery this month at this point, really. You know, I mean, it sounds like you've uh, like like done a bit of uh, admin slash housekeeping, uh, mm-hmm. which is always a good a good thing. I, yeah. I love um, the uh, paint table clearing after uh, finishing a commission. 
one of these weird kind of cathartic things. So I've got like this thing I do where uh, as soon as I've finished a particular commission, I take all the paints that I've inevitably just smooshed away all over, over the table and then put them back on the, the racks. Yep. And then I clean my wet palette. Uh, so I've got one of those red grass ones with the reusable membrane. Mm-hmm. So I go wash that down, uh, get all uh, clean, uh, empty out the sponge, let that dry out again, and then uh, air it off, uh, and then wipe down the table and everything like that. So it's it's kind of like starting from a clean slate again. Yep. Um. So yeah, it's sometimes good to get that that kind of admin slash housekeeping done. Um. Yep. And and even just like you say, getting shot of some models. Uh, that you've got no intention of dealing with. Yeah, sometimes good. It was very therapeutic to finally to just admit that it's like it was the. I've spoke about them in the past. One of the projects it's the SAS Northwest Europe Army that. I've got uh, you know a German army ahead of that. It's like, well, that, that means it's going to be put back for at least 12 to 18 months. So, you know, and at some point you just know there'll be other things that will get in the way. So it's like, you know what? I'm just going to bite the bullet and and send it, get rid of it. Um, yeah. No, and it feels good to know. And it, plus it'll clear a whole shelf in my display cabinet for actual painted models. So um, That's it. I think it helps you hone in on what you actually want to paint as well. Mm-hmm. It's one of these but, things that, like, a lot of the time you can't you can't see exactly what you want to do sometimes because there's so much choice, and then just getting rid of some stuff out of that. Yep, just gives you a bit of an opening into what you might want to to look at, I guess. In saying that, Phil, that will lead us on to a fantastic segment when you say there's too much choice, <laughs> and the fantastic segment, as we know, is how much money. Did you actually spend this month on new? We'll call them new choices, new new batches of potential. Yes, um, new choices of, uh, of potential, yeah. Yeah, because I have to say that some money escaped <laughs> escaped my tight fist this month. Um, and it's that great reminder to our to our audience and to our listeners. It's like you can one hundred percent buy happiness in this hobby. And you, you buy happiness every time you spend money on the hobby. Hey, and even if it's just fleeting happiness before you end up inevitably selling it on to somebody else because you're not going to do anything with it. Exactly. You've still <laughs> bought still it. You've still, happiness. you've still bought yeah. feel goods. And, um, and you're, you're, by virtue of selling yeah. it, not making somebody else happy as well in the future. So exactly. It's just you're spreading, spreading happiness. So, with that being said and done, Phil, what, um, who, who do you want to guess first? Or should we remind, we should remind the audience if there are new listeners joining. A long time ago, myself and Phil used to talk about how much money we spent on the hobby every month. And some months it got wild. So we decided yeah. to turn it into a game which continues on to this very episode where we try to guess within three guesses how much the other, other person has spent. And during the month, we, in our sort of different social media chat groups and stuff, we leave each other little clues as to what we may or may not have spent money on, and then we get to try and guess. And it's 
I think in the past we 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 tried to do it to sort of um, shame ourselves into spending less, but it's just that's just bullshit. We just love spending money if we've got it. Yeah, I I mean it's not a there's no shame on, on spending money here. It's just uh, uh, I guess some people might look at it as being frivolous or yep. uh, or what have you. But I mean I don't go out and drink, so. Uh, what I spend in a hobby month uh, is probably significantly less than some people spend on nights out and stuff. So, mm-hmm. horses for courses, everybody's got their poison. If they're not snorting it off a, a male stripper's cock uh, one weekend, uh, you know, like no shade to that either, you know. Yeah. Pick your poison enjoy it exactly and i guess the other strange thing is that in, in my head that whenever we mention the companies that we buy stuff from it'd be really cool if they decided to sponsor us or give us free stuff to talk about their products because we would do that oh i i absolutely i'll shill yep. for, for free shit uh, <laughs> yep. 100%. so phil who wants to go first do you want to be um, you want gonna, to guess i'm gonna guess your stuff um, okay, nice. So, like you, you did t- tell me earlier in the month that you had opened the 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 purse strings and smacked some of those moths out of the way and yes. parted with some cash. So, you didn't tell me what on or how much. So, this is a stab in the dark, and I'm going to say 120 quid. You are going to be less than that. Ooh. Uh, ninety pounds. Less and getting closer. Uh, seventy-six quid. I will give you it right there as your third guess. Uh, it was in fact seventy-seven pounds eighty pence. Jeezo, that's quite that's quite a bit for you actually. Is, aside from that, is. aside from that bonkers uh, month. Uh, where you bought like all that uh, Firefly stuff? Yeah, that was all. Can't um, wait for that to deliver. <laughs> aye. Uh, aside from that, you, you've been pretty, pretty good and restrained this past year. So, yeah. So for this one, <clears throat> I managed to spread the love um, to various different sources. So I dropped into my friendly local gaming store, Common Ground Games in Stubling. Uh, to see the owner there, Steve, and have a bit of a chat. And I picked up, it was a whole stash of hobby supplies, so, you know, just some rattle cans and stuff, but uh, they carry the product range for Gale Force 9. Um, they are scenery supplies. So I picked up medium basing grit, uh, meadow blend flock, uh, what was it, fine basing grit, and I find this really cool one, a summer color clump foliage mix number three. <laughs> it feels it feels like I was buying, you know, um, like some sort of weird cosmetic stuff. Um, but I've I've enjoyed Gale Force Nine's products before, so uh, this is then all those basin supplies were for my um, my next bolt action army that I've spoken about the past. It's the, uh, what do you call it? Um, the, ah, get the words out. The German invasion of England that didn't happen, Operation Sea Lion. 
So there's, yes. a, there's a set of rules within the bolt action game that actually depict how that could have played out. So I'm going to do a German army based upon based upon that. Uh, so that's that part. The next one was partly for the event that is called World Open War. It's an international team event happening in South End in England, uh, and it's been sort of officially. Um, sponsored by Warlord Games, uh, so I had to buy. The, you know what? I'm going to complain about it. There's an artillery piece. It's a, it's called a multi launcher, like a multiple rocket launcher, in in the game, and lots of different nations have got them, uh, including Germany, and they've got. It's, it's called a they called a naval warfare. It's very players will understand what that is, but the the British have got one. The, the Americans have got one, and the profile is the same. The points value is the same, but the models look a little bit different. Um, and I like to use a German Nebelwerfer model uh, for my American, or my sort of Confederate American alternate history army. But this event down in England is one WYSIWYG to you know a very high standard, and they said, "On oh, no, a." You can't actually use that German one. You're, you you do have to use the American version of it. So I took a deep sigh and I didn't complain. And I just thought, right, fine, I will buy one quickly. Because um, I'm on a bit of a tight time frame from it. But while I was shopping, uh, I saw another model for, um, it's called a Flak Verling. It's a sort of anti-aircraft gun that the Germans used during World War II, so I thought I'd pick one of those up for the for the um, Operation Sea Line Army. So that just sort of got added on to it. And then the other purchase that came in was uh, another new campaign book, which hasn't arrived yet, but the money's left the wallet. Uh, it's called Case Blue, and Case Blue takes... Um, oh, it, it's, it's, Case Blue was the... The German invasion of Russia and the Soviet, the, the Soviet Union and and her allies and how they did it. Um, so it's it's all it's all set on the Eastern Front, and it details the campaign successes and losses um, that the Germans Germans had and and what their allies got up to. So I'm looking forward to that being delivered because uh, that will be quite important for putting together the Megatron three thousand player pack for next year because there's obviously going to be new um, theatre selectors in it so I I bought myself lots of happiness I'm very chuffed that sounds good yep so you now every month I try my best to concentrate on what you're talking about and what you're buying because you are um, highly addicted to old hammer and old hammer is an expensive drug. It is. But I think recently you have almost exhausted all your desired um, <laughs> pieces and books. So I think you're only going to be turfing in about. I think you've had a lean month. I think you're at eighty-five pounds. No, more than that. Okay, I don't think you're much more than that. I'm going to go with. 137. Uh, a little bit. Well, more than that.
Have you bought new new Games Workshop stuff? Um, yes. Oh well, one hundred ninety-two. No less. So okay, uh, well that's my third guess. You, so you third guessed it. One hundred and fifty pounds and ninety-seven pence. Right. What did you get for that happiness? Okay. Right. So I backed a Kickstarter called Hex World, which is um, it's a uh, hex uh, things for campaigns and stuff like that. Three D printed. Uh, so it was STLs for that. Um, I've printed out some of them already, and they look pretty good. Um, idea behind that was to use them to track campaigns and Warhammer-related stuff, because uh, the easy work for that as well. Um, I managed to track down two Warhammer uh, Fantasy Battle um, army books for 5th edition that I don't have. So Lizard Men and vampire counts mm-hmm. so i managed to get good deals on them uh the two of them together cost me 17 quid um and the, the vampire counts one easily goes for like 20 25 regularly lizard men one sometimes 15 to 20 as well yep so managed to get in the right place at the right time with them i have also picked up two Bolt action books, because um, uh, previous uh, listeners have heard me commit to uh, playing both the bolt action and uh, blood bowl uh, side of uh, Megatron next year. Yep. Um, so I, uh, after speaking to you, um, I picked up the um, uh, God the D Day. Um, Britain and British, British uh, and Canadian sectors. Canadian, yeah, and the armies of Great Britain one as well. So got those. Um the only old hammer model purchase I made was for five goblin wolf riders. Um the metal marauder miniatures ones. Um not the ones of the metal wolves the ones with the plastic wolves. So that kind of weird kind of intermediate ground between uh, the old metal ones with the wolves, uh, metal wolves and the plastic ones. Uh, so that they, I got a box of them. Uh, so there's five of them for a reasonable price. And then my new purchase was um, the uh, index cards for Chaos Demons. Um, they're not going to get their uh, 40k codex for fucking ages because 40k always does the dirty on uh, Chaos Demons. Uh, we don't get much love early on. And we're kind of brought in like some sort of afterthought near the end. Yeah, it. well, you're, you're, you're brought in as an afterthought near the end after the Space Marines have been updated twice. Yes, yeah, yeah. The Space Marines all have been done at least twice by the time... Uh, uh, we get a look in um, and then um, I also had the uh, the ability to pick my uh, Warhammer Plus models so what I normally do with them is you, you obviously get one as part of your subscription so uh, 
uh, and I'd, I bought the other one as well. Um, so uh, that's the a vampire, and uh, uh, was it Kazarkin or whatever it is? Probably saying that wrong. Uh, Imperial Guard person. Um, yep. So I, I picked up both of those. So that's it. That's the the full shooting match. So I spread the I spread the hobby love across multiple game systems, uh, and uh, didn't go overly nuts on the the old hammer. So only fifty quid of that was on old hammer stuff. Yep. So yeah, that's good restraint, mate. Well done. It would have been. It would have been a lot more. I missed out on a couple of things by uh, like literally. Like a quid uh, on eBay. Uh, I was bidding on a few things, um, and it went right down to the wire on on two of them, which would have pushed me well above two hundred quid. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait patiently for another opportunity for those ones to uh, to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, with that being said and done, mate, we should start our dive and talk about the new vampires. Vampires. Yes. So, it's, um, for our regular listeners, they'll know the format that we're about to do, but for anybody that's new to uh, to listen to Two Guys, One Dice Cup, whenever we talk about a, a Blood Bowl team, myself and Phil um, have got a bit of a format. The, first off, we'll talk through the different positionals, um, a bit like a shopping list, um, a quick overview of what the team is. Then, both myself and Phil present to each other and to the audience um, two rosters. Uh, the first roster is a league roster, as in how we would run that particular team in, in a local league with uh, a TV one, is it TV one million? I like calling it gold pieces, don't I? You know, if you've got a million gold pieces, what what would you spend? And then the next roster is a tournament roster, and so that there's consistency amongst all of our all of our segments, we always use the NAF Championships in Nottingham, their latest player pack, um, so that you can always look back and understand where what format we're trying to present it in, and that is um, TV one one five zero or one point one five million gold pieces, uh, and then obviously we discuss the different tierings of of the teams. And when we present them to you, it's the first time that myself and Phil are presenting them to each other. So uh, usually there's a little bit of um, friendly criticism, uh, a few laughs, and every now and then we both come up with something that's pretty similar. Uh, and then there's a few other things we do as well, talking about the star players. And we also rate the team uh, in terms of can it win a tournament. So uh, to get this kicking off, I can't remember who did it last, Phil. So I think you should talk through the team first. <laughs> I can't plus, remember who did it last. Plus, so I think you I, should do plus, it, yeah. No, no, plus I just talked through the format. So Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. So, Good man, Phil. Vampire team, it's had quite a few changes from the pretty vanilla previous one. Um, so bear with me. Um, so first up, 0 to 16 Thrall linemen, 
40k cost, move 6, strength 3, agility 3+, plus, passing 4+, plus, uh, armor value 8+, plus, no skills, general um, for primary, uh, agility and strength for secondary. Uh, first of the new positionals is uh, 0 to 2 vampire runners. Uh, they are uh, 100,000. They move 8, strength 3, agility 2+, plus, passing 4+, plus, uh, armor value 8+. Plus. They have bloodlust 2+, plus, hypnotic gaze and regeneration, have primary access to agility and general skills, and secondary to passing and strength. Uh -huh. Then you have 0 to 2 Vampire Throwers, they're 110k, uh, move 6, strength 4, agility 2+, plus, passing 2+, plus, armor value 9+, plus, bloodlust 2+, plus for skills, hypnotic gaze, pass and regeneration. Uh, they are uh, agility, general and passing for primary and strength for secondary. Then you have 0 to 2 Vampire Blitzers, they're 110k as well. They're movement 6, strength 4, agility 2 plus, passing 5 plus, armor value 9 plus. Skill wise, they've got Bloodlust 3 plus, Hypnotic Gaze, Juggernaut, and Regeneration. Uh, their primary access is agility, general, and strength, and they have no secondary access. And then you have 0 to 1 Varghais, uh, they're 150k, move 5, strength 5, agility 4 plus, no passing stat, 10 plus for AV. Uh, skill wise, they've got Bloodlust 3 plus, Claws, Frenzy, Loner, and Regenerate, uh, Loner 4 plus, sorry, and Regeneration. Uh, primary access is strength, uh, secondary is agility in general. You can buy rerolls at 60k. Uh, per gold piece uh, each. They are classed by uh, Games Workshop as being in Tier 2. Uh, they have special rules, Sylvanian Spotlight and Vampire Lord, um, and they have access to Apothecary. Do you want me to tell folk what the Vampire Lord and uh, the changes to Bloodlust are as well? I think that's important to cover off on those, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So the Vampire Lord is kind of like the um, um, like the Necromancer in the Undead team. Um, so uh, the twist that the, on this here is uh, if uh, a player on an opposing team with a strength of four or less uh, that doesn't have regen or stunty suffers a casualty of 15 or 16, so dead uh, in a game, um, and they aren't saved by an Apothecary, um, they uh, can be taken as a free thrall uh, by the vampire team uh, if if the vamp team has less than sixteen players. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. I it's, think that's good. Uh, it's a good bit of uh, yeah. flavor to the team. Yeah, and given the fact that uh, you're going to chew through thralls quite quickly, I think. Uh, yes. Uh, as we'll get on to in a second. So Bloodlust has changed. It is kind of like it's like a, a weird middle ground between where it was and uh, in terms of uh, 
like living rulebook and CRP and where it ha uh, had been just prior to this in terms of uh, Blood Bowl 2020 uh, 20, uh, animal savagery. So I think it's worse than animal savagery, but better than bloodlust. And I'll explain why quickly. So you've got your bloodlust, and then you've got your brackets with the the amount that you've got to target above uh, when you roll. So at the start of a turn, whenever you're doing an action, so uh, for each vampire, you have to roll for your bloodlust. Um, if you're making a block or doing a blitz, you get to add one to that. Um, so for example, a vampire blitzer is bloodlust three plus. If they want to just move, uh, then they have to roll a three plus. If they want to blitz or block, it's a two plus because again that plus one. Uh, the slight difference now is uh, for animal savagery, um, you were punching your uh, um, your 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 mate at the start of your your action, and it was a armor test. And then if you broke armor, it was a uh, an injury roll. Bloodlust now goes back to how it used to be to a degree where you now have to do that at the end of your action. So if you're making a blitz and you fail, you have to make sure you've got something at the other end to hit uh, or uh, sink your teeth into, whatever. Um, otherwise, it's an instant turnover after you've done whatever you're doing so the difference between the old bloodlust and this one uh, i think there's two kind of main ones to think about there the uh, previously if you couldn't bite something at the end of your act you, your vampire would run off the pitch and go to reserves now it's just a turnover mm -hmm. The downside still is that uh, it's gone back to being a straight casualty roll, so there's no armor roll anymore, which is likely to cause a lot more churn on your uh, on your yeah. throat. You're not limited to just. Uh, um, let's see. Previously, with with animal savagery, you you weren't limited to just eat, eating your own thralls. You could eat another vampire. You might not want to do that, but as they had higher armor, it was completely okay to think that that might be an option. But now you're you're nailed on. It has to be a thrall that you're biting as well. You have to think a bit more about where you're doing what you're doing uh, and where things are going to be again so people who've played vamp vamps previously a lot and stopped playing them because of animal savage probably find it fairly easy to lapse back into this way of doing it i think people who played vamps in blood bowl 2020 when it was the animal savagery side of things might find it a bit more complex so, yeah we'll see. cool right now that that's out the way Al, do you want to tell me what you would take for the league team, so the TV uh, 1,000 or t 1 million yep. uh, coins? 
so I've always had a fascination with, with vampires. As in Blood Bowl vampires, I'm not whatever, you know, fantasy world vampires. Um, it's always been a team I've wanted to play, and for whatever reasons I haven't actually never got around to doing it. So putting together the lead roster, I, I really wanted the Varkheist, simply because it's a new piece, it's a new tool uh, to the vampires. Uh, two vampire blitzers, one vampire runner, one vampire thrower, and then it is seven thralls after that that takes you up to a full roster of 11, three rerolls, and then I looked up and it came out perfectly at one million. So say, say again what you took there. So Varkheist. Yep. Two blitzers, yep. one vampire runner, one vampire thrower. And then uh, uh, six thralls. Yep, so you're, you're 12... 11 players. 11 players, sorry, yeah. Yep, 11 players, three rerolls, one million. Right. So I was a little disappointed that it came out perfectly at a million. Um, and I only had the 11 players. I would want a bit of a bench in my head to start with. Um, just because I can see the thralls, as, as we've discussed already, uh, getting chewed up and spat out pretty quick. But then again, you know, if they are going to get chewed up and spat out, I don't really care if, they're, if journeymen start to arrive and they continue to get chewed up and spat out, as long as the vampires stay and as long as the vampires develop. Yeah, I guess the problem um, with that is... Uh until you start to develop yeah you i think you want bench because you're gonna lose you, there's more chance you're losing with less players on the pitch yes and not only are you going to be taking off players of your own mm -hmm. but your opponent will probably be doing the same as well so um yeah i i think I think it, I think yours hits one million because that's probably what games what Games Workshop want you to go <laughs> down the route of. Yeah, it encourages you to buy the Varkheist, which again is a nice model. I like it. Yes, I was I was very much model driven. But um, what about you? What's what would your league roster so look I'll, like? I'll preface this by I have played vampires in previous version, and I've also played them in Blood Bowl 2020. So I've, I've had both sides of that. Um, one of the things that I always sort of feel with vamps is you should never have uh, more vampires than rerolls. Um, so I have gone one blitzer, two throwers, one runner, eight thralls, four rerolls, and one dedicated fan, uh, additionally, to give me EV 1,000 on, on the nose. Yep. Uh, so never have more vampires than you have re-rolls. Yes. Okay. That's, that's an interesting look at it. Because you can re-roll uh, Bloodlust, so... Like... There are going to be times where you're going to want to do things 
um, and it's going to shit out. You don't have safety net of skills that you actually need again. Like so, although they're edge two plus uh, for the vamps, you're going to roll a one at some point for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, although they're strength four for the uh, the thrower and the blitzer. You're going to roll a both down a skull or double skulls or double both down. So you're going to be chewing through rerolls on that front and also the bloodlust front. Um, so you kind of have to manage that. Now, there are going to be times where you're going to just punt a, a thrall and it's just going to be stunned. But most of the time, that's not going to be the case. You know for a fact the one or two times where it matters. It's going to be a KO or a casualty and you're going to fuck your own team. So, yeah, I, th- I think I think I having played them a bit, like I, I would go conservative with that uh, early doors, um, which I guess moves us on to where we would go financially uh, as the game progressed through the league. Um. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about what um, what skills we would be yeah. looking to add in the sort of no, no, what, five what or six games. Would, what you would purchase is kind of what we looked at. Oh, purchase-wise. Um, look, for myself, I genuinely think the first purchases are going to be trials. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm able to sneak an apothecary in, that would be good. Um. You know, because but that apothecary's job would be to be patching up thralls. No. Again, no, no, God, no. Uh, you could use the apple on uh, one of these apple on the vampire as well. Um, so although they've got regen, uh, you don't care about thralls. Uh, regen's gonna regen's a fifty-fifty crapshoot. So you want the apple. Uh, to assist if you fail one of those bad boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, if we're talking purchases, first three purchases are going to be an apothecary and two thralls. Yeah. Just for me to increase the bench and um, increase the survivability of the player the play pieces. Yeah. I think. I'm kind of the same, uh, except it would really depend on what the league makeup was, um, like, and if it was all like a long league, and if it, I think we, we kind of talk about this quite a bit as well, and and what the other teams that you're playing in in your own kind of meta are, if you're looking at teams where you've got a lot of. Uh, high armor teams, then I guess I would probably start at the saving uh, towards getting a Varg heist. Um, and that would be a, that would be me considering the fact that by the time I've got the Varg heist, I, a lot of the things I would potentially be burning rerolls on, like dodging and blocking and stuff like that, I will have those skills on the vampires by then. Yep. Um, so you can balance out the, the skill, the ones that you might uh, burn on those by having the extra vampire at that point. But I mean, that that would be further down a league. Um, but I would also like if it was uh, if the team if it wasn't if it was an edge team um, heavy league, uh, I'd consider a runner and because the, the 
think, um, with the movement eight. Um, the one thing that the Varkheist offers you uh, with the uh, with the, the runners is um, one turn potential, one turn mm -hmm. touchdown potential, because uh, you've got the frenzy in there, and uh, if you plant your vamps correctly, you can even use hypnogaze to uh, turn off um, tackle zones for handing off and stuff like that. Um, which is which is good. Um, so yeah, I think th those are those are the options. I would I would definitely like if it's a kind of average league and getting uh, extra thralls because so I'm sitting on twelve to start with. I think another two thralls would probably be a good round out for filling filling a bench. Yep. Yeah. So with the purchases and, um, you know, if I'm going to talk about the skills that I would be looking to add to my roster, I know, as you have said, it depends on what's, what's within the league that you're playing, but, um, you know, looking at the Varkais straight off, um, I'd probably be wanting to hunt down Guard. Guard would be helpful. You know, you'd also be maybe tempted by Mighty Blow, even though the sort of clause Mighty Blow thing doesn't combine. Um, but it would still help with removing opposition miniatures from the pitch. Uh, Vampire Blitzers block. You know, it's great having strength for, uh, you know, so usually rolling two dice blocks, but they're going to need block at some point. I think you'd have to agree on that. Yeah, I mean, you can possibly get away with uh, what they're doing fairly early on because they've got Juggernaut, you can, and you're likely to blitz with them more off, more often than not. Certainly on my on my roster, they're they're going to be your main blitzing piece. Um, so with Juggernaut, uh, turn uh, both down into a push. So there's a bit less um of an issue with having block really early, but it's good for defense and. Uh, it's good for just taking blocks as opposed to blitzes. So yeah, the absolute first choice for that. Yep. Um, you know, looking at the looking at my runner, it's it, he was an odd, really oddball. Um, so I was going to be really guided by what is in the league. You know, so obviously if it's like a dwarf tackle heavy league, taking dodge would be a bit of a waste. Um, but I'd, I'd, yeah, no, I'm still be, I'd still be tempted by, still be tempted by dodge or block for the runner as a first skill. Mm -hmm. Um, just for that ability to keep them standing. Uh, and then the, I've got one vampire thrower in the team, and it comes down to that point where you know, okay, you've got really good. You've got a great agility for picking up the ball, but do you want to have sure hands just to, you know, stop putting pressure on the rerolls, uh, your team rerolls, or do you need to take block for him as well? I mean, still a strength four piece. You know, he's got the he's got the same same stat line as a vampire blitzer, except with a better better passing skill. So, yeah, tricky one. But a lot of 
I pretty much assigned a lot of block to my um, the first few skills I would get in a league for any sort of I know that lacks imagination but it's where I would it's what I would do I think I think you're probably I think you're probably right there I mean I I would be the same um the only concession I would have for that is for the runner and it would be the same thought process you had was if it was a if it wasn't a like a tackle heavy league like there wasn't many dwarves or chaos dwarves or anything like that I would consider dodge first uh, for them. Yep. Uh, but um, if it was a, a tackle heavier uh, or whatever league, I would I would definitely go block first. Focusing um, again on the runner, and that's because the runner's one of those new pieces for the vampire team. Um, at some point, I would be nailing a sprint onto him. Yeah, I think that's I think that's useful. Again, in your your setup, like um, making a one turn touchdown easier, yeah, yeah. Um, is a good thing. Yeah, and that's a new um, that's a new ability for the vampires to have in the arsenal is that one turn touchdown ability. Um, and yeah, having sprint on the runner, it wouldn't be his first skill. That would be crazy, uh, you know, because he is. You know the the runner is only strength three, so you know your opposition will be able to put him down pretty quick. Um, so he still needs the skills to to stay standing. But yes, yeah, sprint would be on the menu for him. Uh, the thralls, what would you do with them if they were unfortunate enough to get MVP? Would you? I haven't put any thoughts towards this, but would you go down the random random skill path? Yes. Yeah. Random yeah. and then rinse and repeat if they don't get something like wrestle or block or dirty player. Once I had one dirty yeah. player on the team, I would probably um, bin off uh, any other dirty players that got on there. You, you you want to keep TV as low as possible on a vampire team, so you, like I mean, even just inducing things like um, like Bloodweiser kegs and stuff like that helps. Is uh, um, you are going to get some KOs on your uh, thrall beatdowns, so getting them back or making it a little bit easier. Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, wrestle's good because you kind of you don't have somebody uh, that can easily act as a sweeper. Um, the blitzers. Blitzer's a, a possible one uh, because you've got block and uh, you're adding block on there and you've got Juggernaut already. You could do, go down the frenzy tackle route with them and uh, make multiple hits and have a good chance of popping ball or whatever. Uh, but I think having a wrestle piece or two is useful, so keeping yeah. them on there. Block as well is fairly useful. Um, I think after you've got something like wrestle, or block, you could then think about well, maybe I will, if I get something on these guys, maybe I will like save up for a second skill um, because I mean, if you've got wrestle and fend, for example, on a thrall uh, they're, they're reasonably useful in terms of a few different bits and bobs wrestle tackle would be would be useful as well, uh, so you, you've got options there, but yeah I think I would random, random yeah. only for thralls, I'm not going out of my way to pick a, a skill on them. 
Because they're, yes. they're, you're going to go through them. You definitely are. Yeah. At some point, a vampire is going to bite them. Yeah. Regardless of how cool and useful they are. So so that's that's a pretty good summing up of um, of two different styles of league roster. Uh, and, a, and a good sort of, uh, what would you call it? Train of thought that you came out with. Um, not having more vampires than rerolls. So yeah. it, it gives it gives our audience two views of looking at it. As as far as I'm concerned as well, the thrower is the best player on that, that team. The thrower? They, yes. They've yes. got reasonable movement, movement six. They're a strength four player, and they can catch, dodge, and pass on a two plus. They yep. also have higher than average armor uh, at nine plus, or average armor at nine plus rather. And they have uh, pass, so a built in reroll for passing, regen, so makes them survivable. And uh, bloodlust is only two plus as well. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing they've got. They've got a better stat line than a blitzer. Bloodless is yes. two plus instead of three plus, and they drop Juggernaut and replace it with Pass. Yes, yep, they are I, great pieces. Don't get me wrong; I think the runners are good, but AV eight plus, um, especially when you have um, when you started to go down players, it becomes easier to target for your opponent. Easier to target things like the runner, um, yeah. and they. Like say regen's a fifty-fifty crapshoot, so uh, if they get injured, they're they're more likely to go off, uh, or they're more likely to get armor broken. So therefore, they're more likely to get KO'd or injured. And if they get injured, there's as there's, there's there's less chance of, or there's fifty-fifty of them going off uh, going off permanently. Um, yep. So you've got to protect them well, I think. Um, you can't hang them out to dry as easy as you can with some of the other ones. The blitzers, I think, are can be a bit of a liability. The whole uh, bloodlust three plus um, means that you you're kind of limited to what you want to do with them. The varkheist's an interesting one. Like on paper, it's not a bad uh, player. And I think it's got its uses. Like I say, I think the one t- opening up the one turn potential is fine, but that uh, bloodless three plus and loner four plus combination and frenzy as well—that's just accident waiting to happen. <laughs> I agree, but maybe I'm just a sucker for new models and. I, th- I think it's options. it's a nice it's a nice option to have for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an odd one, but it's a, it's an interesting one. Cool. Aye. So, the next exciting part we go to is our um, tournament rosters. Yes. So, do you want me to want me to start with that? Yeah, you did. Uh, you did the first one for the uh, thingy, so you might as well yeah. do the other one as well. So I have got um, a thirteen-man roster for the, the before, tournament. Before you pile, before you pile into that, you better tell uh, 
folk what tier they are and what the options are at NAF. Uh, so they are tier one, I believe. Yeah. They've been classified. For some, for some bizarre reason, they've been classified as tier one. Yep. So with tier one, um, all the tiers get the same amount of gold to spend, which is 1150. Mm-hmm. Uh, but classified as tier one, they have got the option on six primary skills that can be spread out over the players. Or there is the option to have three primary skills and induce a a star player. Yes. So those are the two, we'll call them skill packages for lack of a better term. Uh, So I have picked the skill package where I can have six primary skills. Okay. Um, Because I think to do anything less would be a a bit silly. And I've put it together with a bit of a strategy in mind. Okay. And I take a deep breath and like, oh god, it's, it's probably going to be wrong. But it, yeah, so uh, I've gone for the Varkais again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've picked up two Vampire Runners. I've picked up two Vampire Blitzers. I've picked up one Vampire Thrower. And then I have got uh, seven Thralls. So that takes me up to a roster of 13. Three rerolls, one assistant coach. Done. Okay. Right. Do you want me to? Do we talk about skills now? Yes. Okay. So the six skills I have spread around. I've given one of the runners sprint. I've given one of the runners dodge. Both the vampire blitzers have got block. I've given the vampire thrower sure hands. And you're going to hate me for this, but. I've given one of the Thralls kick. I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I think kick again, going back to the league rosters, is one, if I randomed, I would probably want to have a, have a kick player on the team. Yeah. My, my thoughts... You can my, shit them up real good. Yeah. yeah. My thoughts with this, with the sprint runner, and, and also having two runners, once you can lash out with a bit of hypnogaze, cancel out the tackle zones, you can open up the defence pretty quick and get through to where, the, where where you've placed the ball. So yeah. kick, kick, obviously it's not perfect, but it gives you a bit more control of where the ball's going to land and what area, and then you hypnogaze a couple and blitz through with your fast-moving vamps, uh, and you back up with strength. Uh, yep. Talking, talking strategies, though I know what I'm doing with vampires, but just when I was putting the roster together, you know, got a good bench, uh, got my three re-rolls, sure hands takes the pressure off them, fast-moving uh, vampire runners, so, yep. What about you, before we, before we go down the rabbit hole? Right. I've gone spicy. <laughs> what have you done? What skill package have you taken? So I've decided to go down the three uh, primary and one star player route. Oh no. Oh yes. So <laughs> one blitzer, one thrower, one runner, nine thralls, two rerolls, one ass coach, and the main event. Count Luther von Drakenborg. 
so I have 13 players. Uh, Skill-wise, my three skills go on the vamps. I give block to my blitzer, yep. leader to my thrower, and r wrestle to my runner. Um, can, you, can you talk the stat line of the count, please? The count is possibly going to be mega-starred, I think, <laughs> at some point, <laughs> and skill-taxed, uh, because he is pretty damn good. So he's like a combo of a Varg heist and uh, a, a decent player uh, smashed together. So he's movement 6, strength 5, agility 2+, plus, passing 3+, plus, armor value 10+. Plus. He has block, hypnogaze, loner 4+, plus, regen, and sidestep. And he has a special rule, so once per game when Count Luther scores a touchdown, his controlling coach may gain one team reroll. If this team reroll has not been used by the end of the next drive, it is lost. So And how much does he cost? He costs three hundred and forty gold. Three hundred and forty thousand gold. He's, he's a, a fucking he's a fucking weapon, mate. He is. He can do everything you want him to do. Um like, I think on offense, you probably want to make sure he's got the ball because <laughs> no cunt's getting it off him. <laughs> I mean, oh. like, he's dodging away at a two. Yes, he's got loner four plus, and yes, that will fuck you up at some point. Uh, but yet, he's dodging away on a two plus. He's got hypno gaze, he's got block. Um, you know, he's sidestepping his way into a better position if you push him. Uh, I think the fact that he can do all of that and he doesn't have bloodlust as well means that you can afford to have um, one less reroll um, on the team. So I, I've still got three rerolls with the leader on the thrower. So yep. I've got one for each of the vamps. I've also got. Um, um, the potential if I if I score with Count Luther the next drive I get a free reroll so um, yep. for one one time during the game so I think it is a very edge case I think but I don't think it's a bad roster I'm minimizing the amount of players mm -hmm. that can hurt my um, rolls your own team yep I've only got one in the team that is an absolute or more of a liability, and then I'm going to be blitzing with him quite a lot, or blocking with him quite a lot. Yeah. Um. So, um, the thrower and the runner have both got uh, bloodlust two plus. So, like, I'm beholden to ones. Uh, that will happen from time to time. Um. But I do have nine thralls to work with. So my. My gut feeling says that your roster is fucking brilliant. I think it could be tricky to get right um, in terms of it depends what it, it's going to It's going to fall to dice like, like any game does, but it's going to fall to dice and, and how well you manage your team, I think, a lot of the time. Uh, the thralls are just there to, to just get in the way. Um, yep. 
but I mean, yeah, your your vamps are, are hopefully going to do a little bit. Um, I toyed with Pro on the thrower, but then I thought, well, okay, that that that's just him though. But then Leader gives a reroll to anybody, so it's trying trying to balance that a reroll to every anybody when they need it, or a, a potential reroll once a turn for the thrower. So I I could see an argument for taking Pro or yeah. Leader there. Um, wrestle on the runner gives me the opportunity. To uh, uh, use that as a sweeper because I'm more likely to be carrying the ball with Luther. Oh, However, yeah. I can always hand off to the runner if I need the the, the extra movement. Yeah. Um. So because they're taking it on a two plus, and I don't have to roll uh, bloodlust to make the handoff. Uh, mm-hmm. I only have to do it to make the uh, the action with the uh, with the runner. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think there's a I think there's there's potential in that roster. I don't think it's a like your your one's not bad, and I I kind of buy into your thought process uh, with what you've taken and why. I do feel it's again a bit reroll light though. Um, I I I do have another roster that uh, that I would play. Um, in instead of what uh what I've got now, either one I mentioned, yep. it's got thirteen players and one, two, three, four, five vamps. But I've also got um four rerolls on that one plus leader as well. Yeah. Well, if if our audience want to hear that roster, then they can contact us directly. Yeah, we, definitely. We've got to go to our format, or we might have to open up like a Patreon or something. To I fuck, fuck it. Yeah, no, 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 no. Absolutely. I just uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I think that I think the vamp one. Um, I would definitely give the Count Luther one a, a go, and uh, yep. in the short term, but I've, I'm a feeling he's going to get mega starred uh, and uh, skill taxed. Uh, in the long run, it's one thing though that I have enjoyed with the the new see the new season of Blood Bowl is that the inclusion of star players is you know encouraged and it's and it's easier to do. And even tournaments like you look at the NAF Championships, given Tier One teams even a, a skill package to let them take a star player is I think quite progressive and quite good. Um, yeah. I mean, that that's Sorry. what I've done with, with Granite Bowl. Like I made set it up so that any any team can take a star player, uh, but you will be taxed on certain star players. And uh, in ter- and if you do take a star player for uh, tier one, it's the same as uh, um, uh, the NAF. There, it's uh, you're knocking it down to three three skills. Yeah. And um, I I enjoy seeing the stars on the pitch. I, yes. Yeah. I think I wish I wish I had the the creativity and vision to have seen that build as well. But um, yeah, I guess I saw a strategy and um, it's a little bit more sort of run of the mill blood bowl in that sense. But you know, I hope that the I hope that the audience that we've got listening to us, you know when they pick up the new vampire box set or they've got their own vampire models, which I'm sure many people do, uh, they'll give both our both our tournament builds a run out and see what can be done with them. Or 
heaven forbid, they contact us, send us a message on social media uh, and tell us what you did or tell us if you think we're wrong. That would be great to hear. Anything would be great to hear. Yes. I think what we'd normally do as well now is kind of touch on um, how good we think they are in terms of winning something and also the star players. But can, can we flip that round and do the star players first? Yeah, if you want to start with that, please. Yeah, because yeah, um, I, although I looked at Count Luther for this particular setup, there isn't. There are a couple of star players that are still well worth looking at uh, in general. Um, there are um, a couple of new and or returning ones that are open up to vamps. So there's a Captain Karina von Rice, who's uh, very much a Vampire Coast. Uh, kind of player. Um she's move seven, strength four, agility two plus, passing four plus, armor value nine plus, uh bloodlust two plus, dodge, hypnotic gaze, jump up, loner four plus regen. And she's got uh once uh per game when she fails a bloodlust, she may choose to bite an opposition player with a strength of three or lower if they were mm-hmm. a, as if they were a thrall. Um and she she can't bite another star player but I mean, that could be quite useful. She's 230k. I actually quite like her as a star player. I think she's got mileage. And I, I, I'm i probably in a minority here, but I love the mod. Um, the other one is a returning one, and that's Ivan the Animal Death Shroud. He was introduced in Blood Bowl 2016, but went away. He's come back. He's moved six, strength four, agility four plus, passing five plus, armor value nine plus. He's got block, disturbing presence, juggernaut, loner four plus, regen, strip ball, and tackle. And he's got a star player special rule of dwarven scourge, scourge rather. Once per game, when an opposition player is knocked down as a result of a block action performed by Ivan, you may apply an additional plus one modifier to the armor roll or in. If this is against a Dwarfen player from any team, this may instead be a plus two modifier. He's actually pretty good. He's only 100k. So two two brand new to the uh, Blood Bowl 2020 uh, rule set uh, players that I would definitely consider for vamps in tournament builds or uh, as inducements in league. Uh, We've already mentioned um, Count Luther. and the other ones that they have open to them. So they also have access to Acorn. Might might be usable at 80k if you've if you've got that. Um Bryce the Slice um Cambule, he's uh what's he set at? 130k. He's okay as well. Frankenstein, probably not. Dragon Crumbleberry, no. Gretchen Vachter, no. Helmet Wolf. Maybe scroll half height, probably not. Wilhelm Cheney, yes, I would definitely look at him yeah. as well. Cheney at two fifty. I think if you've got because they because um, no Sylvanian spotlight teams can take Morg. Uh, if you've got what would have been Morg money, you then have Count Luther money, so you can afford Count Luther. He's a great option. Anything less than that would depend on the team you're playing against. And I think 
there's a strong argument for Ivan the Animal Death Shroud. I think he's a quality star player, given that what he's actually got in terms of skills um, and potential removability of uh, players. You know, he's good. Cheney's great as well. I think he works quite nicely with this team. And Captain Karina's quite cool. So, yeah, good options. <laughs> so what, what do you think about tiering? Uh, before we move into where we finish, I, I I think I don't know. I, I'm I'm not convinced that a tier one team no. in a tier tournament. No, because I'm I'm having to direct thoughts towards the Megatron Mega Bowl player pack for next year, and I'm I I've already sort of spoken to my um to to Ant who who helped me run the weekend, and I want to use a variation on the the Big V player pack that we reviewed a couple of episodes ago. And I'll make obviously make some changes to sort of suit it to what I would like. But yeah, having to place these guys, I would say they're I would say they're they're as you said, they're not tier one. You know, you look at the negatrates, the double negatrates on the, the big guy, the the negatrates over all the vampires with bloodlust, okay they vary from three plus to two plus, but they're still there. Um yeah, so minimum of tier two. Far out. I'd even, I'd even be tempted to put them into tier three. Yeah. So, I've the I've moved them from tier four to tier three in Granite Bowl Pack uh, yep. this year. Um, I think, depending on circumstances, they could possibly be a tier two team. Uh, but I think there's too much that can still go wrong. You've got, like I say, you've got easy, much easier removal of your own players than you had previously in uh, when they were Animal Savagery. Um, you've got three pluses, um, a, a three plus four plus on the big the big guy before you could even consider rerolling Bloodlust. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just, it would. I think it would be fair to say that they would be a, a very weak tier two, but a strong tier three. I I I don't know. Yeah, in a five tier tournament, I do, I think tier three is is probably probably going to work out as as right. Tier four, they would be quite uh, quite spicy. I think. Um, but the the problem the problem you have with them is skills are wasted on thralls in a tournament because you're probably going to be sma- getting them smashed by yourself. Never mind the, your opponent. So I don't know. They've got they've got car crash written all over. Them. <laughs> um. I, I know a lot of folk. I know a lot of folk are, are like, no, no, they're tier one. They're so broken. Vampires are so broken. But I think when people actually put a bit of time into playing them, like for example, and, and this is just one game with them since they they started. I played a a, a practice game against Hipster Potter uh, a week or so ago, um, and I ran uh, the list I talked about alternately, and. 
mother of fucking Christ, did I roll ones like they were uh, sweeties. They were everywhere. Like, I was, I think my first four bloodlusts were, uh, were ones. Um, and then I was smashing my own players. Anytime I hit one of my own players, they were, um, they were KO'd or whatever. Uh, Potter had one dice powed and killed my vampire blitzer on the first turn. Uh, and it failed its regen. And he got another of my vampires in the second half in exactly the same way. And it failed, uh, failed its regen. And like, like literally everything, uh, everything was, uh, was going wrong. And if you get a game like that, which will happen because you're rolling a lot of dice. If you've got the vampires in the yep. team, if you're vamp heavy, so you're going to roll ones and things can and will go bad for you. So I, yeah, I, I think, I think having had that happen, that that's it. That's, that's the, the back end of the spectrum. There will obviously be games on the other end of the spectrum that will say, well, okay, like I will razzle dazzle, hypno gaze, everybody waltz in there uh, without failing a single bloodlust, uh, pick up a ball in, uh, in what was uh, three tackle zones, but is now, uh, one dodge out, uh, hand off to somebody, and and be up the other end of the pitch, and then not fail a single bloodlust and a half. In the same way that you do with ogres from time to time, yeah. you get a game where you don't fail a single bonehead. They're kind of like a better ogre team. <laughs> uh, they trick. are a good. They are a good team. Well, uh, but when, when you're talking about that good, when you're talking about being a good team, then so you know, let's let's do the rating out of ten. So ten being, yep, these guys are tournament winners every time, nailed on, and one a one being the opposite of that. Where do you put these guys in that? I think and I was going to say I've I've asked the question of you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm going to throw out. These guys are a five. Yeah, I would say in the short term a six. While people are getting their heads around playing against, uh, having I having them against them, um, because a lot of folk will not, um, n- not have the exposure to them. There'll be things that people will be doing, so f- folk will forget that that, that one turns not out out with the realms of reason. If you, if somebody's running a varkheist and two runners. Um, you know, I think I think a, a six is probably okay in the short term, but I think five five long term. Uh, once people have got their heads round uh, playing yeah. against them, and um, I understand the reasons that you've you've advised why they're rated that way, but for me they're rated a five because you know, in a and if it's a one day three game event or a two day six game event, you will have those games where. There are no ones. No, there's no one spots on your dice, and everything will just magically happen. You'll be, you know, smashing through your opponent, dodging, picking up, you know, nailing the ball and getting it, and and you'll think you're an absolute fucking hero. And then there'll be games like you've just described where 
you fluff everything. Um, all your high dice rolls are for when you're chewing out your thralls. And by the end of the first half, your you know your KO bin has got like three guys in it. Somebody's dead, uh, and you're one nil down, and nothing yes. has worked. Yes. So it's it's the it's the consistent inconsistency that I think the vampires deliver, which which yeah. holds them to a five. Yeah, in my in my view. They are uh, like one of these uh, all or nothing kind of teams where it could very much be a, a nothing within a couple of turns, uh, or it could yeah. be game, game over and you're 2 0 up before yeah. Cause, half time cause, or yeah, your opponent's you, drive. Exactly. You'll be going through your sequence of play, you know, placing your pieces if it's setting up a defense or setting up for a push. And then you'll drop that one. Your bloodlust will fail. You'll still get to move your piece, and then that vampire will have to chew somebody out, and it leaves a gap where you you haven't counted on it. Um, well, that that happened to me uh, with the Varkeist. Um I forgot it had loner, so that that was on me. Uh, failed the bloodlust on the on the blitz, so it was a two plus rolled a one. Uh, I'd set up a. Um, a, uh, a there was a thrall still in, on uh, that gave me uh, an additional hit. This one on, on the rat ogre, and uh, sorry, gave me the uh, the assist. Uh, but because I'd nailed the uh, uh, the thrall at the end of that, it meant that the uh, Varkais was taking a an uphill. Uh, sorry, the rat ogre was blitzing. Uh, my Varkais the next turn um, with an assist and I wasn't because I chewed out my own thrall so gotcha, um, yeah. it's stuff like that happens happens e- a lot easier it just there's so many different things that can go wrong you know it's uh, yeah it's an interesting t- team to play as but yeah I I think it's a, it, it's a it's good changes because it makes it um more unique um yeah and bloodlust is better than the old bloodlust for sure um i think i think it's slightly worse than um than animal savagery um on paper because you're say you've got with animal savagery at least you got to roll for the armor and if you didn't break armor value, your player could get up in that turn and, and go and carry about their business. Um, the the wor- the best you're getting if you uh, have to use if you fail your bloodlust is um, um, a, a knackered thrall, um, or, uh, in terms of their them being stunned. So yeah, ah, it's it's nice. I, I like them. Uh, I just I think they'll be interesting to play as. Take a bit of time playing them. I, I will play them at, uh, at a tournament at some point for sure. Yep. Cool. Joke. So with, um, yeah. So moving on from that, we um, myself and Phil obviously are avid gamers, um, and we usually take a section out to, to have a wee chat about what um, what we've actually been playing. And oh, look, how do you want to start this 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 section of gaming? 
I I will start by saying I have been uh, non-avid in my gaming uh, this this past month, and I've only played the one game I've mentioned already. So uh, over over to you. Oh, you lazy butt! Yes. Okay, so listeners, you are going to have to listen to me monologue quite a bit because um, I have been gaming my little guts out uh, both on the tabletop and online. So. Um, look, we'll, we'll keep it fresh with Blood Bowl. So with Blood Bowl content. And I am taking part in a, a team test event on Fumble for the uh, Greek Euro Bowl 2024 rule set. And we've divided up into our teams of four. And I am with, uh, our NAF names are, so Perdindas is our captain. Um, Gerdala is with us, Mornaval, and myself, Goldeneye. So that's our team of four. Um, and we've we've been we've called ourselves Ant and the Argonauts. So a little bit of sort of Greek fantasy stuff going on there. Um, I will say straight off that the proposed player pack I think is a red hot mess. Um, yes, there are different team. I mean, look, the tiering, I don't really enjoy how they tiered it and how they spread the cost. I'm not going to go into any details because I, I really actually can't get my head around it. But they've also provided um, upgrade upgrade packs. Like There's a whole yes. other set of little points, and you can buy upgrade packs to get uh, like a, access to a star player, or you can stack skills, or you can... Um, uh, get an extra primary skill but you can't get all of the player packs upgrade packs you've got to spend points anyway so it's like a whole other layer of stuff that the the greeks have added um so i'm not wildly enthusiastic about the player pack but what our audience will remember is that i am wildly enthusiastic about playing blood bowl again both yeah, yeah, yeah. tabletop and fumble so I've thrown myself into this event big time, um, and I decided that I would stay with my, the, the dwarves. I've been playing dwarves all year. Hear a big sigh from the audience, like, oh, fucking dwarves. But it's something that I want to do to, to sort of re, um, reactivate all the sort of in-game strategies and placements of, you know, how do you set defences, looking at the, the, the table and seeing... The opportunities that you can take, not take, um, you know, and, and getting back into that practice as, as opposed to the, the theory stuff. So in saying that, we have I've played four Euro games since we, we last recorded. And being the good fucking dwarf player that I am, I have delivered the team four draws. <laughs> <laughs> exactly as we um, as we expected. I, I think from memory as a team... We are on two losses and two wins as a team. But I've been consistent in delivering four draws. Uh, so I actually did have some takeaways. Uh, so the first game I played was against an orc team ran by a player called Venomork. Um, I'm not sure if that's his NAF name, it's his fumble name. And that was a lovely uh, nil-nil scoreline. 
and for the first game of Euros, I'm, I'm not going to the ins and outs of it, but uh, my positional play was quite lazy at the start. And I also made quite a few mistakes, especially when I marked up his players, because um, I'd never played against the the Orc team on Fumble before, so I wasn't used to the icons, and I um, I misinterpreted the the strength four pieces. So that was a bit of a wake up call for me. But I held out for nil nil, and um, which I was quite happy with to deliver that for the team. Uh, the next game I played was against Amazons and again it, this was a 1-1 draw and with Amazons this was the first I got quite excited to play Amazons obviously I'm being a dwarf player you want to play Amazons because they've all got dodge they've got low armour and you, you really expect to start to eat them up quite quickly I um, I kicked to my opponent so he received and for the life of me he bullied my dwarves all over the pitch and managed to clump them all together um, and then put the, the big fat girls in with defensive and defensive just, you know, stopped, stopped all the guard I had when I was trying to, um, to break out of that and because they were strength four pieces themselves um, I really struggled to put them down uh, on his drive so the Amazon player, I think he even moved a couple of my pieces without any sort of comeback to, to get his touchdown over. Um, so then the second half, I I just dug in for the grind, playing for the 1-1. And that's when the sort of the classic dwarf Amazon results started to develop. I think, you know, I, I KO'd somebody off the line of scrimmage. The next turn after that, I um, caused a casualty. And what I was also able to do as his pieces started to be removed from the pitch, I was able to isolate. What are the name of the big fat girls for the Amazons with defensive? I've forgotten. Uh, are they Jaguar Warriors? I've, I've got no idea. Fucking can't remember. Are they? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Jaguar Warrior Blockers. Dirty bitches. Yeah. Defensive and Dodge. Strength 4. Are, um, AV 9+. plus. What I was able to do as as I started to grind forward, I was able to um, to peel them off using my um, troll slayers. Mm-hmm. To you know, to I, I had to start with one dice blocks, but as I started to push them away, um, that stripped out defensive from it. Okay, so I've I've, I've lost my troll slayers to tie up a player, but it, it kept them away. From where I was acting, um, and then just the, the the classic Amazon, the armor started to fail a lot more consistently, and I was able to push through to get uh, to get my touchdown for one one. But the Amazons, I think the the changes to the Amazon team on the offensive have improved them greatly. And um, but when they're on defense, they're still Amazons, and they still get hammered. Uh, my next game was against Elvin Union and it was again a nil-nil draw but there were no casualties caused anywhere on the on, during the game and that's what frustrated I think that frustrated both of us because he was looking to open up a few gaps to get his elves through whereas I was just looking to eat elves um, which would have been nice but so we, we just played to a stalemate um, 
of nil nil, and it was a very sort of uneventful, uh, uneventful game. Then next up, I had uh, Chaos Dwarves, and again, you will not be surprised; it was a nil nil draw. Uh, <laughs> but this one was. You watched some of this game as well, as I recall. Um, and I think there were there were some errors on both sides. Uh, one of the errors my opponent made early on, see, he had the classic Chaos Dwarf roster. Um, you know, all the Chaos Dwarfs, two, two Bull Centaurs. Um, he had gone with... Uh, oh, he blocked both the Bull Centaurs. Two guard on the Chaos Dwarves, one mighty blow, and then sure hands on one of the Hobgoblins. Not, not too dissimilar to what I would have taken. But quite early on, he exposed his mighty blow um, Chaos Dwarf blocker. And so I was able to pick him off and casually on, I think, within sort of maybe turn, turn three, first half. So that got him out of the, out of the game pretty early on, because he was obviously going to be quite an issue um, with mighty blow. And I was able to actually keep up that pressure of taking this off the board either through KO or casually. But there was never, there was never, I never felt like there was just enough that I removed to make it easier for me to score a touchdown. Um, so it finished nil nil. And I think when we went into the second half and my opponent received, he had also settled in for the draw. Because it wasn't until turn seven, on my opponent's turn seven, where he actually moved a, a bull centaur within scoring, sort of the scoring distance. But he had also used that bull centaur to mark one of my players already. So it was a half-hearted. It was a half-hearted look at it. Um, but again, it was. It was. I was. I was happy with the bulk of my positional play, but I had I had left myself exposed a few times. Um, I was lucky to get away with that. But one takeaway that I did have after having played Orcs, Amazons and Elven Union was that each of them had uh, a spare piece that they were happy to foul with. Um, yeah. Whenever somebody hit the deck and that was... Uh, I mean, I'm profile. Like whatever, whatever tournament or league style in. If it's turn sixteen, I'll I'll throw a foul just because I love doing it. But seeing it and seeing it in teams I'd never expected it before, I think was um, it was interesting and maybe something I should look at as well for my own style of play. Um, dedicating some, you know, skill points or skills through a tournament tournament player pack to, you know, 30 player. What's what your thoughts on what I've said there? It depends on, on the team, but yeah, I think um, if you if you can squeeze a dirty player or a sneaky get in there, like it, it was the Elf Union game that I watched uh, part of a few years, not yep. the Chaos Dwarf, and that guy was doing, he played well into that because uh, I think there was a couple of times you got yourself into uh, frenzy traps, which then allowed yeah. him to foul players or isolate players easily, fairly easily. Um, 
which ended up with you getting players stunned a few times, mm-hmm. which then made your um, positioning off. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's been a few rosters. I mean, I foul more now in 2020 than I did in 2016, yeah. for sure. Um, there's definitely teams that you can lean into it more. Any any team where you can get like more than twelve players is a it's a, a a definite. Um, even if you don't have sneaky get or dirty player, if you've got yeah. a ton of guard and a team <coughs> dwarves as well, you know you could make an argument uh, for getting uh, the fouling on with the dwarves because you've got so much guard. So yep. Um, so then, I think if I go back to the Snail Cup, which is another uh, fumble event that um, we play one game a month, um, and I'm also playing Dwarves, and it's a, it's a league-based thing, so not a tournament-based thing. And I think I might have actually already spoken about this game. I've played a Dark Elf player. I don't know. Okay, not well, sure. I'll, 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 I'll jump quickly jump into it. This this Dark Elf player, um, I'll see if I can quickly find his name. <laughs> Dark Elf player. Oh, I, Amsfield. Amsfield. Oh, Ben. Yeah. 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 So, obviously when you see a Dark Elf team rock up, you are, um, you've got certain expectations. And uh, I hadn't been keeping appraised of what's happened to his team, but... When he rocked up with no witch elves, <laughs> I was a bit concerned for him. Um, they had all died at some point. They've all the league has not been kind to him. And so watching a dark elf team rock up with no witch elves, and you're like, oh, you're a fucker. You're really not gonna enjoy this. Um and then I and then I, I dwarfed it. Um the dwarf started to just do dwarf stuff, and so I actually won that game 1-0, uh, and I got sort of 12 star player points out of the game, a um, couple of casualties, so um, yeah, so it was a real struggle for Amsfeld with, with no with no witch elf, sort of be that wild card to make stuff happen. Um, it was a bit disappointing for him, but uh, I'm actually scheduled, so I thought I might have had this game played before we recorded our podcast, but the next game I've got is oh, where is it? How do I find it? Stripey Dave. Stripey, Stripey Dave. Dave with Gravesend United. Yep. So he's, I think he's sitting in the top four. Yeah, he's third at the moment in the Snail Cup. Um, but the cool thing about our both our teams are we're both undefeated. Um, yes. So when we get together, it's going to be, it should be quite an exciting game. I'm, I've been looking forward to this. Um, uh, it's taken me a, a while to schedule it just because I've been busy with, with other things, but we're, we're scheduled in and uh, we should get that, get that done. So, so that's, that's the Blood Bowl side of things. And then I'm sure our, our regular audience would have been just waiting for this bit to drop, but I've also played some games of uh, bolt action which won't come as a surprise, but this one was the so the Bolt Action Scottish Nationals, which was the, the sort of the big two day event for Scotland. It was held in Bathgate at Nightly Games and it was five rounds. 
Um, the format was a single or double generic platoon or a single tank platoon. I could I could have a quick moan about the player pack, and I will. Um, <laughs> I am very clear of mind when it comes to bolt action now that there are three formats of, of gameplay. There's the single or double generic platoon, single theater selector platoon, or single tank platoon. And there should be no combination of those three that mix because it then offsets the balance. So having single or double generic and single tank platoon together was just a warning sign for me. The other issue with the player pack was that uh, within the rules, there's a there's there's an option for British and Commonwealth armies to get two free units, which total two hundred points for free. So they can just turn up and declare, "I'm going to be this army," and they get handed two order dice and two units. There's no provision of you have to spend you know spend five hundred to get hundred points free or anything like that. And the majority of tournaments will ban that. It's either choose one unit or the other. But the Scottish Nationals allowed both. So of the 24 players that turned up, 14 of them were British armies. And 13 of the 14 took both three units. Right, that's the complaint over with. Yeah. So, so game-wise, of the five games, I had three wins and two losses. The only games I'm going to talk about are the two losses. Because losses are where you learn stuff. And so on day one, I won my first game, won my second game. So on the third round, um, I was on the top table against an English player who travelled up called Johnny Curran. Uh, Johnny is, is an extremely capable player, knows his trade, and he knew what he was up against, because I had a British army. I had both the free units. Um, I also had a tank platoon, so I had, I had leaned into the meta hard. Um, and it was basically a variation of the army that I took to the Battle of Britain Grand Tournament in Birmingham, which I won, so therefore I'm I was well-practiced at the army, and he also knew I was well-practiced with the army. So the mission that we had was a mission called Key Positions. And you have to roll for um, the number of objectives that are on the table. So it's a D3 plus 2. And, and we rolled, and we got the, the, the full five objectives. Excuse me. You then roll a dice, and uh, the highest gets to place their objective objectives first so Johnny won the dice roll so he gets three objectives to place and he placed all three of his objectives and you, you alternate it, you know, one after the other but he placed all three objectives on one side of the board right on the edge the next dice roll is whoever rolls the highest gets to pick the table edge and then the object of the game is to um, hold more objectives than your opponent so Johnny gambled everything and the kitchen sink by putting all three, all three of his objectives on one table edge, uh, and he won the dice roll. And he obviously picked the table edge where he'd set himself 
for that. Um, obviously, yeah. if I had won the dice roll, I would have done the same. So I knew that to win the game, I would have to cross the entire board length and then clear him off at least one of the three objectives that he had. Um, and then obviously knowing the strategy that I had to do, um, what Johnny had also done was that he had refused an entire flank and had um, condensed the three objectives into one, one area. So there was one half of the board that we barely used. There was maybe two units that went over there. That also played into the strategy of his army and that he had a, a, a multi-launcher, multiple rocket launcher. And what that effectively can do is that it can declare to fire at one unit and then any other units within six inches of it can also be hit. So he had can, had to condense my army to come straight at him to get these objectives and he had the tools to defend. So it was, it was a huge gamble and really clever play by Johnny. Um, and, and he won that game. I won't go into the ins and outs of, you know, there were was, there was some great moments. Ultimately, I lost. Um, but I knew that he, I knew that he had gambled everything to win, to, to stack the deck more in his favour, because if it was a straight fight, um, I believe he, he knew he couldn't beat me. Um, so that's that. So then going into day two, I won the game four. So that put me up, back up to the, um, the top tables. I think it was like second top table in the last round. And played a guy called Russell Wright, who is the, he's captained Wales, I believe, in some of the international events. Um, and he's also the head tournament organizer of the team event that I'm going to at the end of the month called World Open War. Uh, and myself and Russell have, we've played before. And um, I've got, we've had one win for myself and a draw. Um, and they've all been hard fought, great games. And we both knew that we wanted a result from the, from the table. Um, and it was a straight uh, kill points mission. So kill points, you get one point for each enemy unit that you kill. And to win the game, you have to have two or more points than your opponent. And so, look, we, we both knew what the stakes were. So we, um, we hid from each other uh, and didn't try to engage. He, um, what he had done, though, was he had all these weak units and he put four strong units on outflank, outflanking being that, you know, as the game progresses, these, these units can come on your left or, left or right flank, the, the short edges of the board. So he had those ready to attack. Um, I went the defensive strategy, so I didn't have anything on outflanking. I had things in reserve so that they could come on from my table edge to counteract his attacks. Uh, and what that ended up being was it was a sort of off-table standoff because he, he, never, he never brought any reserves on until turn five. Um, and when he did, he brought them onto his own board edge to hide them, um, which meant that my own reserves were, were neutralized. So I just brought them on my own board edge and, and hid them as well. So the game actually just became... <sighs> lucky shots, lucky dice, lucky dice rolls. You know, to, he blew up a tank on a a five plus, then a four plus. Sorry, it was a 
five plus five plus four plus, which he got. Um, and there were a few other things. So the actual score was four one to him, um, which was enough for him to get the win. But it was just random dice. But the great thing about it was we both knew that was the strategy we were playing. Um, so there was there was no uh, there was no ill feeling at all between the two of us, and I've got nothing but respect for Russell and for Johnny for playing the strategies that they did um, to do that. So I ended up finishing sixth out of twenty four on three wins and two losses, and I was uh, I was I was sadly sadly the second highest finishing Scottish player. Um, all the podium places were filled by English or Welsh players that had travelled to, to play us. So, a bit disappointed there were no other Scottish players that were sort of trying to knock on the podium. Um, it was pretty much just myself in the end. So, uh, But still, still the, the gaming side of the event was extremely good. I was extremely happy with that, and I was extremely happy with how I played. That's good. You came out of it with a positive result at the end terms of uh, win rate over the over the weekend so oh exactly and and the two losses i sustained i mean I'm, I'm, as i said i wasn't going to bother talking about the the three games that i won you know they were they were all enjoyable games and i'm glad i won them um but there were more there's always more to learn when you lose um, and that's why i wanted to talk about them watching watching johnny's strategy the big gamble um, is something that I, I would never maybe have done myself. But if you, I guess, if you know that it's gonna, you're going to be hard pushed to win on an even battlefield, you might as well gamble <coughs> because if you lose and the battlefield sort of leans more towards your opponent, well, you were all you maybe already decided that you were going to lose anyway. So now you just lose bigger, but you still lost. Whereas if your gamble comes off, then the game comes back to you before it starts. And that was that was that was uh, that was quite relevant. Uh, sorry, quite prevalent for Johnny. And I actually looked back in hindsight, and I'm sure at least one other um, English player has done that to me in the past with the same mission. And they've and they've and it's paid off for them as well. But I think it was done a little bit more subtly. Um, you know, they they hadn't put the they hadn't put the objectives exactly on the edge of the board. They were they were more sort of spread out, but the the outcome was very similar. Um, and then also to realise when you go into a game, the game against Russell, and that if you're you don't have to throw everything forward. Like if it, if you only have to win by two, then all you really have to do is kill two and not lose any. You don't have to, um, you know, wipe the floor with your opponent. If you if you just want to win the game, then just do enough to win the game. And and even and this is where I was quite proud of myself. But even when I was, I think there was at one point I was two nil down, maybe even three nil down. I still didn't break from my strategy because I knew that a couple of lucky dice rolls and I would I would scoop those wins, scoop those kill points back to keep myself within touching distance. Whereas I know that some players would decide, ah fuck it, I've lost. 
and then just you know break cover with their units and charge or start pushing forward and then they would just lose more um so yeah so that was I've, I've been really busy this month gaming wise and i think as well um you know next month i've got the i've got six games of the world open war event yeah and then depending on when we record i might have a, another bolt action event in between that and and i'll also have two more euro games and definitely one potentially two more snail cup games so yeah busy yeah sounds like it i've got a, a quieter month in terms of playing games myself but i i do have granite ball at the end of the month um which is uh shaping up to be quite good we've got 40 yep. players uh for that right now um i'll go, I'll go over our sponsors quite uh, quick is uh, yeah please do mate you've got uh, to um i've got um sponsorship from exit 23 games um yep. they're giving us some vouchers uh we've got um hearth forge games um they've provided us with one of their uh deep root pitches uh they're just up for kickstarter at the moment um and i've got my hands on one of their pitches for that uh for uh first place along with one of their uh greenskeeper kits so it's quite a cool pitch actually it's quite thick um kind of uh compressed rubbery kind of material with flock on the top now the flock seems to be really attached to it uh but you can dig it out and add features to it and customize it and all sorts of so it's like it's a, a product so i'm glad glad to have them aboard um who else have i got al i have a bunch of people um i am sponsoring it myself uh as uh, uh granite miniatures so uh that is uh i'm providing a sponsorship for different things like uh teams um done the usual thing for um like the the, the last place the wooden spoon uh, gets set up for another uh, game system. So <laughs> yeah. I've provided them with a, effectively a full Chaos Dwarf army Warhammer Fantasy Battle world. Um, and well, so I've got Doc Miniature uh, provided some cases. Um, I've also got the Army Painter have provided us with um one of their speed paint 2.0 most wanted sets and a bought uh, one of these tubs of strong tone dip um so yeah i've got quite a, quite a few decent things in amongst there um which which is great i'm glad glad to have them all aboard and the the price support we've had so far has been pretty pretty spectacular happy with it I think I've got a couple more that might might sneak in between now and uh, then. Uh, rule rule book tabs, uh, whatever that company's called. Can't remember. Um, he uh, did a Kickstarter last year uh, for uh, for them, um, and 
he is literally called rulebooktabs.com um and it's like these little kind of uh things that you t uh, put on your pages in the rulebook uh to make finding things easier i've got a set of them for first second and third as well so yeah hi loads Yes. Oh, I'm and so, tired. <laughs> I know we're tired. coming. I know we're coming to the tail end of our um, of our podcast tonight. But uh, do you feel like having a quick segment on Eye on the Old World? Yes. Fucking old world awesomeness. Yes. Um, so, as previous listeners to the podcast will know, that myself and Phil are. Um, big fans of old school Warhammer Fantasy Battle uh, and we have been doing a few sections, a few segments on um, Warhammer the Old World or our, our segment's called Eye on the Old World and we have been lucky enough to have a pretty decent announcement at the latest um, Warhammer Day, uh, Warhammer Open Day. Yes, the which, preview of the week, uh, weekend just passed on uh, yeah. Warhammer Day. Yep, so Phil... Tell the audience what's happened. So, I think most importantly, they have ballparked an area of release in terms of, uh, they've told us it will be the first big release of 2024. And uh, it'll be fairly early in 2024. Now, I guess you can probably surmise from that that it will direct the first couple of weeks and your Games Workshop don't release much during that period of time but I wouldn't be surprised if it's sometime around about the end of January um, but hopefully we'll get a, more, a firmer date of that fairly soon because I think there's another preview coming up in a, in the next couple of weeks Yep. Uh, but what we also saw uh, was some new models uh, of which uh, it was primarily focused on uh, uh, the Bretonians um, this time round um, um, as I think that they're, they're kind of one of the, uh, they've definitely been confirmed as one of the main kind of launch um factions, which is cool. You know, like uh, they they were a decent range um uh, back in the day who really needed a, a bit of a refresh. So what we've got for them is a Lord on Pegasus. Which he looks in, yeah. He looks he chonky. Uh, he can be built in multiple different uh, ways. He can be built as a, a duke, a baron, or as a battle standard. Yep. Which is, which is awesome. So three different ways. Yeah. Uh, that one had been uh, uh, like just the Pegasus. There was no rider uh, for some bizarre reason. But um, uh, So I'd seen the Pegasus before. It's nice get confirmed with different kit options for the riders. There's also a brand new Knights of the Realm on foot uh, kit, uh, which yep. looks pretty cool. There's loads of different uh, helmet options on those. Yep. I really like the standard that they yes. show with the little sort of um, the lady of the lake. Yeah. yeah, Lady of the Lake and our little sort of oh, what that's That's it. Thank you. I, I was no, I was searching for the same word. Um, yeah, but it looks like a little piece of what could be an altar, uh, 
little sort of altar piece getting carried along. Looks looks great with a floor lee splashed on top. There is a lot of detail in the, in the kit. Uh, what I like about it is well, two weapon options. So you can have them, or you can uh, big fuck off uh, halberds. halberds. Yep. Yeah, which they look really cool with the halberds actually. Um, but I'm sure folk will uh, go one or two different ways with them. Um, and they've confirmed a couple of the pr- returning kits. So the old Pegasus Knights are back. Uh, Knights of the Realm on, on horseback are back. The Men at Arms kits back. And the Peasant Bowmen. Um, Men at Arms. Yeah. Um, the, shown the new Handmaiden of the Lady. One of the sort of magic wielders for the Plutonians. Yeah. I have to say I am not a fan of that model. I don't think it's bad. I think it it's a, it's it's fairly plain, but I think it, it model it's I, I don't know who's sculpting the female face uh at GW, but they're doing a really good job of getting female faces looking more yep. female in these models. I, I think, think that that one looks looks pretty good to me. I, I don't know. Maybe it's I the think, pose. I think what needs to happen is that, because she's kind of floating on some sort of flower thing. Yes. Chop it. Just get rid of that. Because if she was just standing on the ground on her feet, then she does have the classic, um, from the old, the other, the, the previous Bretonians, the damsel. You know, she's got the staff yes. out. Yes. That, it, it, it's the floating thing that doesn't need to happen for me because that's what the that's what high elf sorcerers do. Give them more yeah. height and make them look. It just fucking annoys me. I I get I get that. I, I was what I was being with the pose. I think if there was a way for you to take her off the flower without damaging her feet, um, I think yeah, you could resettle her so she wouldn't be leaning forward. She'd just be upright and the uh, her staff with the fleur de lis on the end of it would be yep. just pointing up the way which would be pretty cool yeah um and we'd obviously seen a few of the other models i think the lady elise duchard she's the kind of uh um uh, lady on unicorn back mm-hmm. is possibly one of the most awesome models i've seen uh in recent times I've got no interest in buying a Bretonian army, but I would, I will buy that model. Yep, looks great. And they also confirmed the Trebuchet back as well, and some weird uh, sort of choices that I'm, I'm not like how how much to read into this. This, but some of these kits are returning as uh, plastic. Uh, there will be some metal kits as well, but. The, uh, they've mentioned as well that some of them have been answered in so this trebuchet in particular is um, it used to be a metal kit um, and uh, like all bulky metal kits uh, could be a bit of a son of a bitch to put together um, so I think from that point of view having it in resin is probably a, a good thing but whether uh, that means it's going to be like a a hundred quid or something like that <laughs> versus uh however much it used to be uh is uh is interpretation yep uh but yeah i 
I think that as far as reveals go, that was a pretty pretty good one. Yeah. So hopefully February February twenty twenty four, when we um, podcast and talk about how much money we've spent, we will just have to say remortgage the house, sold the kidney, gone crazy. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm guessing that like they were there they were going to be sort of two factions that are going to get the focus and the two i think they've kind of alluded and it's obvious that tomb kings will probably be the other one uh by virtue of the fact that we've already seen a few from that and an artwork um so hopefully when the next preview comes around uh they'll preview in the tomb king side of things but that doesn't mean to say that that's not what they're going to do and they'll chuck in a curveball because they've told us like what was it 10 of the other factions uh, that are going to be a, a sort of focused on uh, through the uh, the current cycle of uh, the old world. Um, uh, it could be any of them, I guess. Um, Tomb Kings versus Bretonia is not a, an, an outlandish... Um, no, not at all. I mean, it's it's got the... It's got a history within the Warhammer world itself. Um, yes, you know, Bretonia to the south is the is the desert, and it's got that same sort of real. It's, it's got a real world vibe of the the knights on crusade, you know, into uh, the sort of the desert holy lands type thing um, on the quest for the Holy Grail. So, I mean, I can't see. A game box, although uh, you know what I'm like. Uh, depending on price, that might be a thing. But um, I, I definitely will. At very least, I'll be buying rulebook, uh, sort of territory. Um, and there will be models in and about all of these. Things. Pick up just because I like them. Like say that that um, Lady Elise uh, model is is. Going to be one I'll pick up as well. Yeah. Um. You're you're a fan of Bretonia. Yes. Uh, you you will probably buy whatever options come out for them. I'm sure. Yeah. No. I'm a, I'm a big Bretonian. Bretonian and vampires when it comes to fantasy. Where am I too? Yeah. Most most of my stuff isn't getting focused on like the, they've said there'll be rules for, but. Uh, no new models of them. Fingers crossed, there'll be the odd made-to-order thing available. Um, I think the only one I would actively play, possibly. Well, I don't know. It would depend what they brought out of it in the long-term chaos-related uh, stuff. So chaos beastmen, uh, possibly orcs and goblins. So yeah, I can see me buying. Into it if it's a good rule system, yeah. But I'll, no, I'll for, probably buy it too, even if it's just an average rule. It'd be good to yeah. just play some of these factions again. In a I mean, for me, for me, I was all I'm, and still am to the most part driven by painting. And when it comes to the Bretonians, you know, with, with so much variation on color scheme within units, you know, if you've got the individual heraldry, that really plays to. Excuse me, what I like to do. And then when it comes again to the vampires, having 
how, how do I always see it? Having the vampires themselves as as like the the key focal point of the army, and then they're surrounded by this horde of you know skeletons and ghouls, which are all very uniform in look. And then there's these sort of brighter color pops of the vampires themselves moving within it, um, you know, sprinkled with the odd sort of horrible-looking necromancer um, to back it all up. So that's. I always see them as painting projects, and then the game inside just sort of happens around it. Um, which I think is exactly how we're going to approach the old world. You know, we always talk about tournaments for Blood Bowl or tournaments for bolt action or, you know, competitive gaming or, you know, those terms. But I know that my approach to the old world is going to be hobby and enjoyment. Yeah, I'm looking at getting games with uh, with Gordon and probably yourself if you're up. For, yes. Right. Uh, yes. No, I, I, I think as the years as the years move forward, um, you know, traveling up to just have a games a gaming day with you guys is, you know, going to be more enjoyable than attending a tournament. Yes. Yeah. I I'm, I can see that happening with this. Uh, talking of campaigns as well, like uh, earlier on, uh, that that's the sort of thing I would I I missed uh, tying like mighty empires into fantasy battle, um, which I, I can see me kind of getting my head into as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just just flicking through that. Unfortunately, vampire came the same boat as. Uh, Demons of Chaos and Chaos Dwarves uh, yeah. uh, and Lizard Men, and that they're not going to be one of the main factions, but you'll have rules at least, anyway. Well, as long as they're rules, and the thing we have to also look at is that there are, um, you know, good third party STLs for vampire counts and undead style miniatures now, so. Oh, absolutely. And, like, there will be made to order stuff, I'm sure, for most of their factions. Um, where they'll crawl back through some of the, the bits and bobs, and there's still bits of the Warhammer Fantasy Battle, uh, sorry, the Age of Sigmar stuff uh, that could be used quite happily within uh, the old world. Yep. Um, for sure, you know. So there, there's there's definitely things things that can be done. I'm pretty sure if you there's still old models floating about in in the undead range. Yeah, I, I would like, expect so. Like the corpse cart and stuff like that were in sort of 6th, 7th and stuff like that, weren't they? Or... Yeah, I'm sure I could look through all. We'll generate something, but I think with, with our eye on the old world and our discussion on vampires and gaming, etc. I think we have come to a close for our episode. Yes. So, Indeed. not doing a sort of Jerry Springer final thoughts, I will just happily say goodbye and thank you for listening all the way to the end. There is yeah. no reward. There is no reward other than <laughs> uh, eternal damnation and the, the need to buy more models. Um, goodbye. <laughs>